Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to Break the Cycle with Dr. Marielle, a podcast where I bring on some of my favorite healers from across the world to talk about how we transition from intergenerational trauma to intergenerational abundance. I'm your host and trauma-informed holistic psychologist, Dr. Marielle Bouquet. Join me and my fellow healers as we break the cycle. Welcome back and into this episode where I'm going to be covering the part two of the childhood experiences known as adverse childhood experiences, but more so where I'm going to be trailing into some of the consequences of adverse childhood experiences. So in the previous episode, in case you want to trail back there, I covered the ACEs questionnaire or adverse childhood experiences questionnaire pretty extensively. I talked a little bit about what you can find within the questionnaire, how it's administered, and really some of the ways in which I see the questionnaire having shortcomings in reference to globally emphasizing the experiences of trauma that we find across the world, but also within individuals' lives where people may live at the margins of specific identities. And so in this episode, I want to more so expand the idea of childhood adverse experiences consequences. I think I made that up just now, but really the consequences of having undergone trauma in your childhood, in our childhoods. And so again, as I mentioned in the previous episode where I covered ACEs, Nothing that I am able to say within one podcast, within just a few minutes of what I have as far as your attention, can I fully excavate every aspect of a person's experience that felt traumatic during a critical time in their lives like a childhood. However, what I'm hoping is that anything that I reference to here now could be used as a point of reference for an expanded conversation on childhood trauma. So this is really a starting point. This is just where we begin dialogue about what happened after the childhood trauma was over. Once a person transitions into their adult life or adulthood, and has to then reconcile with the pains of the past. More often than not, really what we tend to see is a constellation of symptoms that taken together are experienced as trauma symptoms or known to be trauma symptoms or lead to an actual diagnosis like a disorder like PTSD, which is a very popular one, I think, in just in general society, and that is post-traumatic stress disorder. And so we have that, right? But then we have other things that also happen to an individual. So I want to take a moment to highlight both, both the more diagnostic piece and then maybe some of the other ways in which a person's life could be impacted. And I only have a couple minutes. <laughs> I just want to overemphasize that because it is just impossible to cover everything that I want to cover in reference to childhood trauma. I feel like I can do 
like a 12 to 24 module course on childhood trauma alone. That's how much there is to cover. My training was years of training in this area. So, and I, I took, I mean, my goodness. So in my doctoral program alone, not including my master's, I, I took 120 credits. That's the, alone to tell you just how extensive the training is in the area of mental health, in the area of um, understanding globally what is happening with an individual, introducing their lived experiences within their specific identities, their intersections of their identities, the ways in which trauma surfaces as a result of those experiences. I mean, it is a lot. <laughs> and um, it's, you know, eight years plus a number of years of clinical work. And for some people, it's decades. Um, for some of my favorite researchers and authors of trauma-based work, of developmental trauma, their work has spanned decades, right? So, I mean, I think there is no way that I could give anyone enough information about childhood trauma within a podcast episode, but I'm going to give it my best shot at just giving you conversation starters in these two areas that I noted. So in the area of what happens diagnostically and then the areas of, and then what else is there? Those two. So first let's talk about really kind of the psychological consequence. What I always like to focus on when it comes to childhood trauma as it shows up in adult life is the experience of feeling like you are depressed. Depression is a prominent emotional experience of childhood trauma survivors. And the reason why I say depression and not trauma or, or, or PTSD or complex trauma um, is because I like to make a very specific distinction here. Very often, individuals present with depressive symptomatology, and it's only when they actually go through the process of getting an analysis by a clinician and a proper diagnosis, hopefully they land at one, where they're able to ad identify and notice that it isn't depression that was happening, but that it's the remnants of the trauma that they've experienced. Now, that isn't to say, like, go ahead and diagnose yourself and just say, you know, oh, it's not depression, it's trauma. Of course, that requires an extensive psychological evaluation, but it is something to consider. The ways that I would conceptualize it, especially when I was first getting my training and especially when I started being a, a staff psychologist at a major hospital in New York, I started um, actually seeing that when I started seeing depression or major depressive disorder in a person's chart, in their medical clinical chart, and it had the word recurring next to it, I started to get curious. Why is this depression coming back? Why is the uh, recurrence of this depression not being contextualized under what happened in this person's childhood? And I started to get curious about that piece. Whenever I started seeing recurrent, I automatically started creating what we call a rule out 
of trauma. And a rule out is just a clinical terminology for we have to get more curious about the possibility of this diagnosis. Otherwise, we have to rule it out. Meaning we have to understand that there is a possibility for something else that may be happening here. Or we have to cross it out and say, no, 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 it's not that. So my rule out, especially if there was a trauma history, would more often than not be the major clinical rule out that we have for trauma, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And I don't say like other types of stress disorders or trauma disorders because we really don't have very many that have actually made it into the diagnostic manual. I can have a whole course on that piece alone. Um, it creates a lot of inequities within our field and a lot of ways in which we as clinicians miss the mark um, on humanizing a person's experience because we're not having the, as I see it, like all the proper labels to be able to apply to an experience. However, I digress. A rule out is a rule out. My go-to rule out would have been post-traumatic stress disorder for individuals that presented with trauma symptoms or specifically in the context of what I'm saying, presented with a depression that was recurrent. Whew, that was a mouthful. I hope you're still following. I can get a little heady about these things, so I'm hoping that it's still making sense. Now, for anybody who may be new to the depression world or to depression symptomatology, depression is very variable. Let me tell you that we have identifiers for depression, but it can be so variable. People Depressed people look very different person to person. One person may exhibit actual experiences of hopelessness, let's say, or a loss of pleasure in activities that usually would bring them pleasure, which is anhedonia. The clinical term for it is anhedonia. However, another person may be more irritable than usual. One person may be really restless and agitated. One person may have insomnia, meaning they cannot sleep. One person may have hypersomnia, meaning that they sleep a lot. One person may feel like they have a loss of appetite. Another person may be having excessive hunger more than usual. One person can have lack of concentration. Another person's concentration acuity may be increased. And so it's just so variable and so different, and it is why we have to, as clinicians, ask a lot of questions and get really to the root of what is happening, right, and really kind of get a clinical picture of what depression looks like in one individual, right? What are the, you know, the ways in which it's, it's showing up in one individual's life? And then, as I like to do, backtrack, right? When did it start? How many times has this person been depressed? What is the the actual time between depressive episodes? Are there any triggers that are promoting these depressive episodes? And what are we looking at here, just kind of globally and holistically? So that's kind of the way that I like to look at depression. One of my, the, the most famous TikTok that I produced was one where I made a distinction between depression and trauma. And I think the reason why that TikTok, well, be, beyond it being about tea time, it was my first tea time, TikTok and people really gravitated towards the way that I actually spoke um, directly to individuals via the actual post 
I think it was the context of the post too. People were really intrigued about whether or not what they were experiencing was depression or trauma. And it can be really hard to parse out, but it is an, a, a, such an important distinction to make in a person's life. It can make a world of difference. And so I always get curious about whenever depression comes knocking at my door, my, my clinical office door, I want to know what is happening here, what has happened here, what has happened to this human. And I want to get into the answers. I get very curious. So that's, you know... I don't want to get too heady or too far deep into the clinical landscape of depression and trauma. Um, I will be covering a lot of this um, in my book, my upcoming book, Break the Cycle. Um, feels kind of nice to say that. I think that's the first time I really said that out loud in a in in this kind of context. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very passionate about making these distinctions, and I will be making them. Um, in a way that hopefully makes sense to folks. But the other piece, um, and I think this trails more so into the episode that I uh, had with Maria Sosa where we covered self-betrayal, and more specifically, we covered ways in which childhood modeling of self-betrayal can lead into a person being an adult and now betraying themselves left and right because this is what was modeled, this is how they know how to function. And really what that told me, and I think what I heard from a lot of you within the comment sections and reviews and whatnot, is that there are many ways in which this concept of self-betrayal or at least the concept of not doing the best by yourself comes up. And let's be honest here. Like sometimes we don't do the best by ourselves because we just don't know that something is wrong. If you have been experiencing trauma for the entirety of your life, or at least for those primary years, then it's going to feel so much like the norm to betray yourself, violate your own values, all those things that are going to be so critical and important to your experience on earth and to your healthy experience on earth. If those things are, were modeled early on, um, it's going to be very hard for you to see normalcy in anything that's different than that. So it would make a lot of sense that people that have traumatizing childhoods would come into their adult lives and all of a sudden, you know, they get exposed to what something that perhaps is a bit more healthy looks like. And that creates for them this experience of enlightenment. And that enlightenment is, as I know many of you would probably agree, it is incredibly painful because it makes you realize what I have been going through is not something that I necessarily had to go through. And it's not within the realm of something that is produces a healthy development for a child, let alone an a, an adult or a child. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't have been experiencing it. Um, and it can, you know, kind of cast a dark cloud upon your life for a period of time until, you know, you reconcile with that piece. Um, but what I really wanted to say is, you know, the self-betrayal, the modeling of the self-betrayal 
and the consequences of childhood trauma beyond the depressive piece is that it impacts very core elements of who you are that then lead to betrayal because it's very easy to betray yourself when you're you know you're you're kind of getting lost in in the details of who you are and those details should we call them details I guess we can call them details those details are that it impacts your sense of self-worth a lot of the messages that become cemented in the mind of someone who has early childhood suffering are messages that um resonate with worthlessness or brokenness right and so that person can then be enwrapped around those kinds of ideas about themselves they no longer feel worthy they start translating that unworthiness into their experiences in relationships experiences in workplaces and their entire lives become inhibited as a result so it it just becomes something that I I like to call these things like especially the what is not contested like it's almost like a disease right like it's like it's viral and it impacts every aspect of life most notably relationships relationships tend to suffer pretty extensively for trauma sufferers because people who are living with that level of suffering um a, a lot of what they need to have healthy relationships has been compromised for such a long time um, that it's it's really hard to kind of get out of that in order to become a person that can show up to relationships in a way that can benefit both parties. It's not that they lack the motivation. The motivation is definitely there. It's just that it is incredibly hard because they're learning to unlearn to then learn again. And that is an immensely hard experience to have, especially for the extent of time that it takes to actually do proper unlearning, which is years. Also, you know, people have a very extensive fear of the unknown. That's a very big consequence of childhood trauma, not feeling excited or exhilarated by things that are that feel like um that you don't know very well like people you don't know very well experiences you don't know very well if you're not able to vet them properly all of that starts feeling like um incredibly scary right um rather than something that can be enjoyed like Low-level anxiety, which is some of what generally people can feel around new opportunities, becomes high-level debilitating anxiety for trauma sufferers. And so there isn't a positive experience that trauma sufferers tend to have around um, experiences around anything that is an unknown. Part of this is because, you know, Living in the experience of chaos or the experience of any experience where you felt like you didn't have control over something or over a situation makes it so that it's going to be even more essential to feel like you have some element of control so that you can feel steady and your heart can feel well. 
Um, and so as adults, um, loss of control creates a very, very big trigger for trauma sufferers. So it's, you know, something that can create a sense of powerlessness that is, it's indescribable. The, the, the ways that for trauma sufferers, it creates this debilitating, very dark um, experience. Now, I wanted to kind of get into those nuances because those are some of the experiences that I hear the most, but I also have about 20 to 30 more, right? But I don't want to over inundate this podcast with by listing every single one of them out. I think, as I mentioned before, that the, the most important piece to grab from this episode and the previous episode is that we can have conversations about trauma. They can be nuanced. They can list out experiences that are common, but also branch out from those experiences into experiences that are more individualized. Um, Trauma-based experiences are complex and create complex consequences. And we can also have conversations about trauma. That's a large part of why I started this podcast. I wanted us to understand and know Hey, listen, we can have conversations about very difficult topics, about intergenerational trauma and the ways in which it has just flourished within your lineage, within your community for generations upon generations. We can have those conversations and not be over-consumed by the high-level emotions that it brings up. It just feels too heavy to talk about, but we can enter into conversation by way of sharing resources. I hope that this podcast episode has been helpful and has helped you to maybe unpack a little bit more about childhood trauma that wasn't, you know, in your realm of knowledge, or if it was, that at least it it offered you maybe a nugget or two of information that you probably didn't have before. And I'm hoping that you feel inclined to be a conversation starter in the area of trauma. Now, as I always say, whenever we're talking about trauma, our nervous system registers it and it can make us feel uneasy. And I really want you to be well. So I'd like to offer a sound bath meditation, a very short one, just to get you a little bit more settled than what you are now. So if you feel like you need it, if you feel like you're willing, and if you want to soothe your soul just a little bit more after digesting this episode, then I welcome you to the sound bath meditation and to snuggle into your seat, to lower your gaze to whatever feels safe. Take a deep breath in. And let's begin.
take your last breath in and release. Say this mantra in your mind's eye. I am well, I am here, I am grounded. When you're ready, open your eyes. Remember that no matter where you are in your healing journey, you have an opportunity today to break the cycle. If you'd like to continue learning with me on a more extensive level, then you can head to www.drmariellebouquet.com and you can click on courses to sign up for my courses and learn with me. For weekly coping tips, you can sign up to my newsletter or follow me on social media at dr.mariellebouquet. Take care of that beautiful soul of yours and I'll catch you at the next episode. <music>